So I got to tell you guys, it's absolutely monsooning where we are right now sitting in the studio and prior to coming in here today. Um, you know, you ever have those moments where you're like, you got to be on point, but then you're coming in and you're like, man, I'm so flustered. Like I can't seem to get it together. Yeah, that was today. So I'm, I'm driving my son to an appointment and it's, it's like monsooning. We're talking like potential hurricane weather where I'm sitting right now. And my son, I, I, I throw him the keys to my truck and he grabs my work bag as we're heading out. And I'm like, Hey man, I got to stop by somebody's office one time. If you would just go load up the truck and we'll be there in a minute. And he's like, got you dad. He goes in, gets in the truck. We peel out of the parking lot to his appointment. And on the way there, the sky falls out and, and these just loud sound is on the top on the roof of my truck. And I look at him and he looks at me. I'm like, man, is that hail? And he's like, yeah, I, I think it is dead. And I look around, we just got this massive temperature change. So it's kind of making sense. You don't see that much here in Jacksonville, uh, especially at the beaches, but it was happening. And I'm like, all right, we, we make us turn to stoplight and we're heading towards the appointment. And it's like a crack, a crack. And I'm like, golly, man, this is crazy. Is something on the roof of my truck? And he's like, no, nothing nothing. I don't think so at all. He's like, I definitely think it's hell. I'm like, okay. So we drive to the appointment. We get to the appointment. He gets out. It's monsoon. And I go and I park as close as I can to the door, which is unfortunately not close because everybody par- tried to park close to the door. And the, it's just, it's going crazy. The minute, minute I put my vehicle, my truck in park, I get this error sign that there's no key detected. And I'm like, oh, well that's because it's in his pocket. Cause I gave him the key earlier. I call him. I was like, hey, man, I hate to have you do this, but you're going to have to run through this hailstorm that we got, this monsoon, and come to my truck and give me the key because it's about to turn off. And uh, he runs out there, and he hops in my truck, and he's like, hey, Dad, I got some bad news. And I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, I left the key on the roof of the truck. And so what we thought was hell hitting the truck was the key bouncing up and down on the roof of the truck. And here I am sitting in the parking lot because I don't have a spare key that works, trying to figure out how in the heck we're going to get home during this monsoon and and how we're going to put this together. And so anyhow, that was a very flustering moment. Um, but we did get here nonetheless. And uh, the, the, the funnier part of that story is that once we got here, uh, we actually found the key on the back of the tailgate of the truck as it peeled off out of there. So I guess there was hope at the end of that story. But nonetheless, for the last hour, it's had me extremely flustered before I come into this podcast. So if you ever have one of those moments or you think that uh, I'm feeling a little off in this one, now you know why. So let's get right to it as we talk about the Federal Reserve and we talk about their pause that happened here as we start the show. Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and thanks for joining us again for episode 67 of the What's Your One More podcast. So super stoked to be doing this one. Um, you know, we're kind of talking about the Federal Reserve and the pause that just happened. I'm kind of referring to it as the pause that's heard around the world because it has so many different implications of exactly what they did and why they did it. And as I kind of go through this here, this is kind of like the Super Bowl, you know, of finance, if you may. And it's kind of crazy to think we we now we we hang on the word of everything Jerome Powell says and the Federal Reserve does and the points of commentary. But the reality is this. They, being the Federal Reserve, have been signaling for quite some time now that, hey, listen, we are here to fight inflation. We are here to make sure that we get back to a target range of 2% of inflation and that 
because of that, we'll add more tightening or, or excuse me, as a byproduct of all the tightening, we're going to get there and we'll also see some, you know, uh, some lowering of the labor force, right? We'll see some, some more unemployment rates go up because of what we're doing. That's a byproduct. But the reality is their goal is to fight inflation and get that price stability down and get everything in the 2% range. Now, when looking at these metrics, the thing that uh, has kind of caught my attention here is over the course of the last, you know, almost, uh, you could argue, 15, 16 months, how they're determining they be in the Federal Reserve, how they're coming up with these metrics of 2%. It's interesting because, you know, we use this term that uh, that we've said over and over again, the, the, the goalposts keep getting moved over and over again. And what I mean by that is every time that we think we understand what the Federal Reserve is digesting, what they're looking at, they change it. And, you know, we've gone from headline inflation to sticky inflation to super core inflation, and now we're back to core PCE inflation. And that's a lot of different inflation and a lot of different measurements of inflation. But the reality is there's there's this almost like, hey, we don't like what this one's saying, so we're going to divert to sticky core inflation. Oh, we don't like the way that's going. Let's bring it back down to core PCE inflation. And and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, the Fed is getting some real-time data in the background that some of us are not seeing. But the reality is they want to do what's you know, they, they want to measure what's best for their agenda. It's always been the case. It's going to continue to be the case. But we do know as of now, they want to see that core PCE. And the core PCE is the measurement that, that strips out energy and food out of the inflationary reading. And that's what they want to see get to 2%. Currently, it's at 4.7. So we've got the core inflation at 4.7 and the goal is to get to 2. But then yesterday, we have the Federal Reserve do a pause, meaning they didn't do anything. They left it at the current Fed funds rate right now. So I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, if your goal is to get to 2% and you know the way to fight that is to continue to raise interest rates, why hit the pause? Why would why on earth would you decide to say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait. Because if you risk it getting worse, right, by not doing anything, and if you fear that it's going to get worse, which their commentary, by the way, says, hey, we, we do think that um, – the market is is a strong labor force, right? But um, but we also think that there's signs that the inflation could get worse. So if you think that you have a strong labor force and the byproduct of maybe quantitative tightening is to create a – it's going to create a weaker labor force and you think there's a chance that the inflation is going to get worse, why would you pause? Like what on earth and how does that make sense? And, you know, and I think that they definitely gave the markets a run for their money by doing this pause because, you know, there is a uh, there is a mole inside of the Federal Reserve that kind of has recently been reporting if you may, for the Wall Street Journal kind of tipping their hands. And there was an indication that we were going to see a rate increase. And then we didn't get it. And so I think the markets were kind of ill-prepared for that. And I also think that the commentary that came after the meeting where Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said, hey, listen, you know, we want to see, you know, we, we want to see inflation closer to 2% and we're prepared to do more hikes if necessary. Well, why, why would you say that to the, why would you say that? Why would you say we're going to do more, but we're going to hit the pause button now? Like what sense does that make if we haven't achieved what you're trying to achieve? Yes, inflation has come down. It's gone from a, a peak of 9% down to 4.7, but it's still double where you want it to be. So why on earth would they do that? You know, and I kind of take a look at a couple of things here that, that, I don't know, kind of are the obvious jumping off the page to me. I think Jerome Powell 
is very aware of the pressure that they are putting on the banking system, specifically commercial banks and regional banks. And I think we've seen a sign of that about four or five months ago when we saw it with Signature Bank, SVB, and First Republic Bank. And I think it can't be discounted how much pressure they have put on the banking system, the financial system. You know, a little while ago, we talked about fishing with dynamite. And I kind of want to come back to that analogy again, because the ideology of going into the water, let's say the big blue ocean, and you're throwing dynamite out there, there's going to be some fish that come to the top. But if you continue to throw more and more and larger, you know, compounding effects of dynamite in there, you're going to get very large fish. And in some cases, you may get a whale come to the surface. And the minute that whale comes to the surface, that's a big, big big problem in that analogy. And I think the whale in this case is the regional and commercial banking system of the United States. There is major pressure being put on that right now. It's being put on them in the form of, hey, listen, we have assets that we have used deposits to buy that are way out on term. They're nowhere near maturing. And you continue to raise these interest rates. We can't continue to pay our depositors any more money than what we're currently paying. I mean, you've got depositors coming to the table right now saying, hey, listen, I want 5% for my money that I'm going to put in there. And the reality is it's the banks now issue, if they're going to pay 5%, they have to go yield a return greater than five for that equation to make sense. So right now they're taking 90% of the deposits and they're trying to find that out there. The reality is they also have money tied up in maturities and assets that are way out on a 30-year term that still have 25 years, 26, 27, 28 years to go to maturity, they can't liquidate those assets or they're going to have a huge loss and a potential failure on their hand, just like Signature Bank, just like, well, more like SBV and, and First Republic, they're going to go into receivership. There are issues that are involved with that. And I think Powell is very aware of that. And I think the ideology of taking rates, if they did two more rate hikes and, you know, be like a five and a five and three quarters, I think the idea of getting to five and three quarters, I think the idea of it is bad from the standpoint that Powell understands the pressure it would put on. It could potentially crumble further regional banks that are hanging by a thread right now. We know there are regional banks out there right now that are essentially making it through where the status quo is now. But you go and raise that a quarter, you go and raise that 50 basis points over the next two meetings, you're going to have another problem. And that doesn't help anyone. That doesn't help the stock market. That doesn't help anything at all. And so I think they're very aware of that. What I think we saw unfold on uh, the meeting yesterday, as well as the podium announcement from Powell's, I think we saw the start of tapping out. I think the Federal Reserve ran that up as high as they could get it until the balloon didn't bust. And I think the Federal Reserve has hit a tipping point to where they're saying, okay, we're going to wait and see what these other metrics look like. Remember, at the end of the month here, we get the PCE reading and the core is going to come out as well. Now, that's the measure they're measuring right now. If that core comes down, Again, like it did last, what was even, excuse me, if it comes down from the, from the previous reading or below expectations, they're absolutely going to pause. The reality is I think they're wanting to do more than pause. I think they are looking for a reason to back up and do temporary relief. And, you know, myself and Alex and Daniel, we've been talking about this on the podcast for quite some time. There is a tipping point. They go until they break something. They did it in 2019, and here they are doing it again. And the reality is in 2019, they kind of did this whole little pivot, and they said, well, we're going to do a temporary pause, and we're going to do a temporary relief. Well, the challenge with the Federal Reserve is that anytime they reduce rates and they make money cheaper, 
it's addictive to them. Let's not forget, when they tighten policies and they raise interest, short-term interest rates, that is tightening the money cycle. That is deliberately trying to stop more money entering the system and create pain in the system. If they lower that, they are loosening it and therefore allowing more money to enter the system at cheaper rates. That is an addictive policy because it shows results for them with long-term implications. Those long-term implications are inflation. And now we're seeing that kind of rear its ugly head. And if your target rate is 2%, such as you say it is, and you would like to see some softening, they like to use that word softening of the labor force. That's a fancy term for saying we want to see unemployment go up, right? Softening of the labor force. Because let's talk about this for just briefly once again. You know, when the Federal Reserve does quantitative tightening, their ideology is we are going to raise short-term interest rates, thus discouraging borrowing of money. And companies leverage borrowing of money from different banks to create facilities, to create new products, and thus add more jobs to the labor force. Well, if you're making that less desirable to borrow that money to create those facilities, to create new products, to create new jobs, you're therefore creating a softening of the labor market, as they call it. And they're anticipating that unemployment rate to go anywhere between what it currently is at 3.6 all the way up to 5%. Now, that 1.4% is a large amount of people and a huge needle if they go to move that. But that's what they're saying. We would like to see a softening, continued softening of the labor force because Powell says, hey, we have a strong economy. No, we don't. It's not strong right now. Just because you're seeing unemployment numbers where they are, let's not forget those unemployment numbers, I would tend to argue those have been basically, I'm not going to say manipulated, but they've been changed and moved and massaged numerous times to get the results that we're seeing today. I mean, heck, if you look at the ADP, one of the major, major forms of measuring new job growth, Back in September of last year, they completely changed and then did a formal announcement. We will not be reporting for two months because we've changed the way we now measure the job reports. If that's not manipulation or changing, I don't know what is because now we have we have no metrics and we have no history to use that measurement to compare to the previous years because you went and changed it. So what I'm getting at is I don't know that those unemployment numbers that we're getting right now, especially uh, when we see the unemployment where it is, and then you see the BLS report and you see the ADP reports, they don't even match up to what we're seeing in the form of, you know, uh, job losses and continuing claims and the JOLTS report. They don't, those things aren't matching right now like they should. And, you know, and speaking of continuing claims and you look at the initial jobless claims reports, we got that today. And on the initial jobless claims report, we see that more people people are going to the unemployment line now and they're actually getting unemployment and filing for that as new unemployment. And the number this Thursday and the last Thursday, those two numbers are at pre-pandemic highs. So that means more people are becoming unemployed and going to the line, but yet we're saying we have a strong economy and we're measuring that based on the fact that we have good unemployment numbers. And I break that down because I don't think Powell's correct on that. Now, I mean, you could argue like, hey, Q, what do you know over Jerome Powell? I, I'm not going to sit here and argue that. I'm going to say, hey, listen, the numbers aren't lying. That's what I'm going to say. And I'm also saying that we don't have a strong economy because we have double inflation from where we want it to be. It's at 4.7, according to what they're measuring on the core PCE. And the reality is the cost of goods are higher than they've ever been. Why? Because we have less people working. We have less output happening. We have less product being made. That's one of the major reasons. When you have a, not enough product being made, there's a higher demand for it. The prices are going to go up. So we have to find a way to have that price stability that Powell uh, continually talks about is that he wants to see price, you know, positive price stability. And when you look at that, what he's referring to is he, you want to see, you know, you want to see positive real interest rates, meaning that you want to see interest rates above inflation, right? So if your interest rate is 5.25 and inflation is 4.7, that should be a positive real interest rate because you're actually outpacing inflation there. And that's what they want to see. 
Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Getting back to the strong economy thing that I'm talking about, the challenge is when you when you tell the people that you have a strong economy and that, you know, we have room to to raise interest rates because of that notion. And then combined with the fact that you're saying our target rate is 2% and that we're going to continue to fight inflation, but yet you pause. You say, I'm going to take a pause. To me, that is the sign of a pivotal turning point for the Federal Reserve. And I'm willing to bet they're probably going to pause again in July. Whatever that reading comes in from the PCE on the 30th, I really think it's irrelevant. I think you're going to see another pause. And if you see that second pause, such as I'm suggesting, and again, I could be wrong, but I think you're going to see that. As I'm suggesting, you see that pause, you're starting to see the beginning of quantitative easing come back because the Federal Reserve will do what they have to do to protect the overall markets. And I know the stock market doesn't mean the market. I get that. But when this equation, when I'm saying they want to protect the market, that is one of the major things they are often trying to protect with some of their monetary policies. They've shown that over historical policies as they've put together. Together, they want to see that thing do well. And so with that being said, I take a look at a couple of other things here. Um, for me, you know, the, the Powell has this sense of stress to the financial system and basically says, hey, I don't want to add any more stress to it. So therefore, as, as an FOMC, we're not going to raise the rates. But the reality is that, you know, you're implying that by raising rates, that that's adding stress to the financial system, which I agree with, by the way. But it's also what you're saying you have to do. So it's kind of like saying, hey, you know, uh, hey, two more things are coming, so get ready for it. But I think what he's really trying to do is not telegraph their hands to the market. I think the Federal Reserve has a history of trying to be very strategic and not telegraphing what they're going to do. Take that mole I mentioned aside. I think they like to keep a lot of what their plans are under wrap. And I think they're trying to send a false signal that we're going to do two more rate hikes down the road. And, you know, they refer to this dot map that they have out there where it shows what the voting members think they're going to do, you know, the next meeting all the way out to two years from now. But the reality is that 66% of the time that dot map is inaccurate. So if we're relying on that historically to see what they're going to do, 66% of the time we're going to be wrong. And here's something that's interesting. In order for them to even get to that 2%, that 2% core PCE that he's referring to, you know, that that is so hard to get to when you think about it. And I want to take just a second to break that down. And I know I don't have a chart that you, if you're listening to this, that you can see, but we'll put one on our YouTube channel and in the show notes on the website at one mpodcast.com. So you can take a look at this, but I'm going to show and break down courtesy of our friends over at MBS highway, a 14 month average cycle month by month showing what this core PCE number is. And you'll see in order to achieve a 2%, a 2% core PCE rate, you have to be at 0.166, <coughs> excuse me, 
0.166 on that reading. And what's crazy about that is we have not been below that, but one time in July. Other than that, those other 11 months, we are way over that, which is why we're at a 4.7, right? So you're telling me that two, uh, two basically two rate hikes are going to get that there? They're absolutely not going to get that there. You need at least 12 months starting at the end of June. Sorry, at the end of June, June 30th, you need that PC, core PC, month over month reading to come in at 0.16, and it's got to stay at that or below for the remaining year to achieve that 2%. That is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So what you're really saying is that, hey, we're shooting for a number that we can't get to based on the policy that we just told you we're going to do. And I honestly believe that you could see no rate hikes for the remainder of the year, possibly quantitative easing going into the first quarter. The Federal Reserve has a history of doing this, and that appears to be what they're telegraphing right now, which is why I say this is the Paul's heard around the world. So what does that mean to real estate? What does that mean to mortgages? We often like to talk about that. If the Federal Reserve goes into quantitative easing, you can bet, you can bet that direct separation between the 10-year treasury right now and mortgage interest rates, that, 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 that spread that's there that's overinflated, it's going to shrink up a lot and we're going to see more real interest rates based on what the 10-year treasury is right now. Because right now, I mean, I'm looking at 3.72 10-year treasury. There's no way at 3.72, the 10-year treasury, we should have mortgage rates in the high six sevens right now based on that spread. I mean, that's almost a 250 basis point spread. That should not be the case. And so, you know, it's interesting that there's still a buffer built in there that will dissipate and go away as well if we start to see a pause or we start to see some more quantitative easing as we go into this. And I think that that's really important because that's going to be that cliff we've been talking about. That's going to be that moment where we start to see these opportunities. Yeah, I know we've been saying 5% for some time and there's been some delay behind it, but there has been some things that happened. I mean, obviously the regional bank collapse was a, you know, having that happen is an issue in some areas and that caused a delay. The debt ceiling became an issue as well. Things that were not forecasted in there that, you know, pop up and happens. But I think at the end of the day, the forecast still remains true. It's just delayed. And we do think that that is coming based on some of these things that I'm talking about here. So, you know, there's a thing about, there's an old adage with inflation. It's like a runaway train that once you let it get going, it's, it's hard to stop it. And so I look back at 2000, I think it was like 2020 or 21, where Powell was saying, you know, we want inflation. Like we welcome inflation. We want to see it. And it was, to me, it's so interesting that how, how quick you know, he was to say, we want it. Like we, we welcome inflation. We need more inflation. I actually believe there's a moment when he said it multiple times, as well as Janet Yellen, we need inflation and, and you got, you know, be careful what you asked for. You got it. And I think they overlooked how hard it was to correct it. And I think they let it run away because I believe they were so arrogant to the fact that they could address it at any moment that now that's not the case. And now here we are going into the next, you know, the next FOMC meeting, which will probably be at the end of July at this point, I believe. I don't have the exact date in front of me. They meet every six weeks. But the reality is they're going to pause again. They're, they're going to pause again. And when they do, it is going to send the signal to – right now, even they're telling you we're going to do two more rate hikes – they're going to pause. And when they do, it's going to send a signal that QE is back. And when that happens, again, that cliff from mortgage interest rates is going to come with that. So I think the markets are going to start to prepare for more rate hikes because that's what Powell has forecasted. That's what he said. But I think, I think they're going to be shocked when they see the quantitative easing come out. And I think that's going to be a windfall for them as well, in my opinion. And so at the end of the day, I think there's 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 a lot to still kind of sift out with this, but I do believe from the Federal Reserve standpoint, you know, we've been talking about this for some time. They would go until they could break something. They would go until they could actually push no more. I think they've gotten to the point where they recognize, hey, listen, 
we don't have as good economy as we are telling people that we have. I mean, that economy is hanging on by a threshold, or excuse me, by a string. And it, and that string could absolutely be cut. It could be torn. And it's very easy if you raise those interest rates another quarter or another quarter again, because you will see some issues take place in our own financial system. And that's the well that's coming to the surface here. And I think that's what the Federal Reserve does know, regardless of what they say. I think their actions are so loud that you can't hear what they're saying. So guys, if you like what we're saying, Please five-star review this podcast. You know, share it with a friend. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, we're on Amazon. Also on YouTube, if you want to take a look at some of the graphs I'm mentioning, we will have that on YouTube. We'll have that in show notes on our website at oneinpodcast.com. And then always check us out on our socials at What's Your One More. That's at What's Your One More with the number one. And then again, guys, thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. What's your one more you guys are working on right now? What's the one more thing you want to do? What's the one more thing you want to see? Leave us some comments. We will make sure we tackle that. Have a great one. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I 